Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to this episode of the Mia's Mentorship Podcast. Today joining me is Violet Murkowski. She's the founder of Expand and Impact, a school of emotional mastery and embodied self-leadership. She has over 10 years of international experience teaching self-leadership and emotional resilience with on stress, uncertainty, and adversity. Violet guides goal-driven women to succeed, grow, and heal sustainably while exploring their connection to self, others, and the world around them. She believes that self-inquiry is the gateway to generational change where women use their voice with confidence, feel emotionally grounded, and have fulfilling relationships without sacrificing their well-being or goals. She is a trauma-trained holistic counselor who uses an integrated approach to self-work incorporating the latest in neuroscience and brain-body practices. So without further ado, please welcome her to the podcast. Hey, Violet, how are you? Hi, Mia. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm doing really well. It's early here, 8 a.m. my time, so just getting started on the day. Where are you at? I'm in Australia at the moment. I'm based here. It is 6 p.m. where I am. Where are you based? I'm in Florida in the U.S. Oh, nice. I'm from Jersey, so I know Florida well. (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm excited to have you. Do you want to tell the audience who you are? Sure. Um, so my name is Violetta. You can call me Violet. And I am the founder and facilitator at Expanded Impact, which is an experience-based company that partners with motivated and ambitious women to learn the skills that we're not taught in school that really shape the way we feel, the way we live, the way we lead, and from what motivations we do that so that we can use our voices with confidence, feel more emotionally grounded, especially during times of challenges, stress, moving towards our big goals. And yeah, so that's what I do today um, through Expand and Impact. And the way I got here is a long journey of exploration, of being curious. I used to for like about 10 years, um, travel around the world and work in an international career of outdoor and experiential education, which brought me to some really amazing places and really helped me develop my own leadership skills and my own self-perception and my own self-image, especially um, educating around the world. I was teaching personal development, emotional intelligence through outdoor activities and challenging yourself. So like rock climbing, um, hiking in the jungle in Cambodia, like all of these really exciting things. And there came a point where I noticed that I was really starting to struggle. I was like starting to struggle with the adventure. I was starting to get consumed with the goals that I had for myself and something wasn't feeling aligned and how my life looked on the outside wasn't reflecting how I felt. And it became a big journey, a long journey of uncovering how to actually cultivate more presence, more joy in my life without sacrificing myself in the process, because that's what I learned I was doing. I was um, sacrificing myself for my dreams, for my goals, 
even though I lived such an exciting life and was having a really big impact in the communities and the students that I was working with. And yeah, and that's what's that's what led me to the work that I do today is really unpacking how I can cultivate more lasting joy, more sustainable energy within myself so that I don't burn out, for example, so that I release the grip of like people pleaser tendencies and perfectionist tendencies and really stay true to who I am and what I want to do and achieve. And I wish that for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. So when did you decide to make the change? How long ago? Um, What change specifically? Um, like start your health journey, like just mentally, physically. So I would say that I've always been really health conscious, but I haven't always been health conscious from a genuine place. So it takes a lot of courage, you know, to push your body to physical limits. I was, um, you know, like walking miles and miles a day with work. I was pushing my boundaries like through backpacking and rock climbing and at my height fitness, like through most of my twenties, most of my teenage years. And I always focused on exercise, except what I realized during my time in my career, working internationally with students in these activities and promoting Um, more conscious awareness, more focus on how we're feeling and how we're moving through the world and, you know, like what it means to challenge ourselves. I realized that all of my motivation behind my health journey was actually focused on receiving um, validation from outside of myself. It was always on like, how do I look? Do other people approve of me? How am I perceived right now? So from the outside looking in, you know, I looked really courageous. I looked really brave. I looked really healthy. I had a really um, gritty and strong mindset because it takes grit to, you know, decide to like move across the world, um, run half marathons, things like that. There, It takes a lot of intrinsic motivation. And it took me a long time to realize that that's not sustainable, the motivation that it was coming from and that what would make it more sustainable or the missing piece that was lacking was actually that self-love and self-compassion piece for myself. So a lot of what pushed me to be better, do more, hold more, and work on my mindset, work on my physical goals and my health was from the perception of like what's happening around me, do others approve, how will I fit into this dynamic as opposed to do I really love myself when I'm pushing myself this way? And how do I feel? How do I react? And what happens if something changes in my environment? So the health journey for me started probably more consciously in high school. And then it wasn't until my mid twenties that I started to realize that the things that I were doing, that I was doing that were healthy and good were actually not serving me for the long run and like my whole person and my whole human. Mm. Okay, that makes sense. So do you see a difference now in how you like, okay, do you see a difference in the results? Like, for example, you said you've been working out and being health conscious since you were in high school. Do the results now mean something different than those than the results then? Like, do you see more of a 
not only physical but results mentally and in your other relationships or in your career spiritual life that kind of stuff yeah absolutely that is such a great question mia the results are so different and the piece that's changed around it is really the gentleness and the self-forgiveness that i have with myself maybe right now i'm not at my um, peak like physical fitness because I am actually, um, I got injured over the pandemic from long distance running. I had a pretty bad knee injury that set me back. And it was really interesting to observe my own response to that injury and my relationship with exercise at that time. So at the time, um, I'm very lucky to have noticed this and learned it before my injury. So that way, when I got injured, it wasn't like a life or death situation. It didn't put me in a state of like panic and overdrive, but I was able to start to explore different avenues that gave me that same internal wholeness and wellness inside that I would get with like that endorphin hit of running. Mm -hmm. And also seeing my body change because of an injury required a lot more self-compassion in that time to be able to come out on the other side of it so that I can continue to grow, heal my body and still engage in the activities that are fulfilling to me. So right now, the results, how they've changed is my relationship to my results. The results aren't something that I'm striving towards. It's a beautiful end goal or it's a beautiful I guess, like peace on the journey to sustaining mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being as a person and really understanding what that means intrinsically so that when I do get injured, it's not a life or death situation and I'm not using my physical activity or exercise, for example, as a coping mechanism to run away from something, but I have the internal capacity to actually be able to hold the consequences of something like an injury. And then the ripple effect of my body changing because of that. And now can I still stay motivated and keep myself well in other areas until I'm able to get back on the trail, for example. And that's been the biggest shift. Yeah, it's not often talked about that even when you're sick, for example, it's a small example. When you have a cold or something, you can't go to the gym for a week because, you know, you need to let your body rest. And yeah. so during your injury, I'm not sure how long you were out for. I don't know if you mentioned it or not. Two years. Almost. Two years. So during I'm that- I'm still time, recovering. <laughs> oh, you are? Yeah, it's like, it's still acting up. It's way better than it was, but it's I'm still not 100% back. Okay. So yeah. can you talk about, cause that's not often talked about, like we often say like, yeah, you know, exercise, do this, 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 right. But then there's also the limitations that people have physically, whether it's from injury or other health issues. So can you kind of yeah. shed light on what you went through in that time and how you continued to be emotionally, mentally, um, physically well, how you nurtured your body differently than you did pr prior to the injury? That is another really amazing que question. And I'm going to take a moment to reflect on it because there's a couple ways that I can begin to respond. And the piece I want to hone in on here is it doesn't so much matter what you do. 
the actions you take if the motivations that you're taking them from aren't from a place of self-acceptance. So even when you're doing self-care activities, even if you're meditating every day, if it's from a place of force and from a place of I need to do this or else, or I should be doing this or obligation, you will never experience that lasting sense of inner peace, of joy, of fulfillment. But if we practice creating that capacity internally to accept ourselves the way we are in the moment and to really start to listen to that quiet voice inside of like, what do I need right now in this moment? Not what do I think I should be doing? Because when we start to take action from, I need to do this, we lose touch with what I want to do and what is actually beneficial for me in the moment. So a big part of my well-being practice is meditation, is connection with my partner. I'm in a long-term relationship, is connection with nature. And all of these things are beautiful. And one of the things that I lost during my injury was that deeper connection with nature. As I mentioned, I, I'm an outdoor lover. I worked in the outdoor space for um, like since I was like 19 for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And I lost my accessibility to that specific resource that helped me feel connected to myself and well during the time of my injury. And also I moved and there were a lot of external factors. But what I didn't lose touch with was that space inside of me that was telling me like, that's okay, that there's other things right now and it's not forever and that I can stretch myself into other places and lean on other things and listen to myself that I don't need to depend on the nature, even though I love it so much, even though it's helpful to my well-being Mm -hmm. and that I can return when I'm better, but to really nourish myself in the moment and pay attention to what my body actually needs and not what I want to be doing or what I think I should be doing yeah so would you say that the main difference between like helpful doing habits whether it's helpful or harmful lies within like your perspective or your intention towards doing it not just what the action is There's two pieces here. So one of them is your intention and your motivations behind doing it. And also having a deep communion and respect with your body because intention and impact or like um, intention doesn't equal impact. You can have the best intentions of, you know, motivating yourself to meditate, for example, Mm -hmm. But if that's not what you're actually needing in that moment, sometimes it further pushes us away from the goals that we have. And the um, reference I would like to use, so a lot of the work that I do is brain and nervous system retraining with the women that I work with. So this isn't only focused on habit building. It's not only focused on the beliefs that we have. All of those are important and they are a branch of your nervous system. So- your nervous system in the context that I'm speaking of is a continuous loop of information. And there is a part of the brain that is scanning our environment 100% of the time that we're not aware of. 
and it's communicating to us whether we're safe or not. And our intentions sometimes misalign with that deeper subconscious experience that we're having viscerally as well. So for example, with your nervous system activation, when you are feeling heightened anxiety, when you're under a lot of stress, even if you have the best intentions, it's not coming from a space of deeper grounding and presence. And so sometimes it gets really like fuzzy and confusing to even know what your motivation is because your, your whole body, your whole mind is activated. And when you're operating from a space of like anxiety and stress or overwhelm, we don't have connection to one ourselves, but also a part of our brain actually turns off the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for um, our rational thinking and our like connection to presence. So when our prefrontal cortex is on, we have full capacity to choose our responses instead of reacting. And that's how we can better align our intention with actually what we're needing. Because sometimes I intend to go for a run or go to the gym, but when I really check in and notice how my body is in that moment, how my mind is, I get a better idea of whether following through on that intention is going to benefit me in the long run, or it's something that I'm forcing myself to do for a different reason. And sometimes that's because uh, like from sheer grit and willpower, right? Really, we talk about mindset all the time, challenge yourself. It's true. You have to challenge yourself to grow. Absolutely. You need to learn to mobilize energy from within yourself to take action. Like things aren't just going to fall out of thin air or like results aren't just going to happen. Right. Yeah. But when we only operate from a force of grit and willpower, we're, com we're not using our entire brain and the entire wisdom of our body when we do that. And that's how we get injured. Or that's when we reach a goal and we're finally at our goal weight, goal job, goal finances, and yet we don't feel satisfied. And yet we don't feel happy. And so what do we do? We put another goal on top of it. And now we're striving again towards that next goal. Why is that? Is it bad? Not inherently, but it's taking away from our connection to the present moment and actually feeling really proud of ourselves of how far we've come and what we've accomplished because we're so focused on the next thing that we're missing the present moment right here, right now. How am I? Where can I connect with joy more? Where can I connect with pleasure? Because those things are important too, despite your motivations, despite your goals. And if your goals are taking away from truly feeling connected in your relationships, in the present moment, and your mind is always either in the future, anxious that you have to get somewhere or else you're going to miss out or in the past feeling um, maybe numbness or depression and really struggling, you know, to find that mobilization within the body, that intrinsic um, like drive to take action. We're missing out on a whole experience of right now. I hope that answers your question in a roundabout way. I know I added some more in there, but it's definitely a topic we don't talk much about and it's truly important to the whole human. Yeah, no, the more the merrier. <laughs> so I want to branch off what you said. Does the nervous system also play a role in coping mechanisms? Yes. And the way coping mechanisms, so we can start with what's a coping mechanism. 
It's something that we use to soothe ourselves and to basically like make us feel better or to distract us from our thoughts and our feelings. Mm -hmm. Common coping mechanisms could be drinking, could be partying, could be smoking. I did all of those in my past. And uncommon coping mechanisms could be meditation, could be exercise, could be travel. So even the things that we know are good for us, when we are doing them because we feel like we should, then we're not actually tuning into right now and what we need. Mm -hmm. And so our nervous system, we can think of it as a ladder. The higher you go up on the, on the ladder, the more like turbulent the energy gets. So we're anxious, we're motivated, and it can actually be either. It could be like that excitement, that joy, that euphoria, or the opposite, the anxiety, the overwhelm, where you're feeling like your whole system's kind of shaking and that you can't really focus on anything in particular. And you're just feeling a lot of like internal tension and unease. Mm -hmm. And the lower you get on the ladder, you're more likely to experience depression, to experience numbness, to experience procrastination. And we'll say the middle of the ladder is the space where we feel clear-headed, we feel grounded, we feel present, we feel rational, we have perspective, we have a lot of perspective on life and we're able to see things from a different point of view and maybe not take things so personally all the time. I know that's something that I'm guilty of and it's a constant work in practice. Like sometimes I take things personally and that actually hijacks my nervous system when I allow that into a state of anxiety and overwhelm. Yeah. So I'm not able to like think and respond clearly. So when actions are coming from either the top of the ladder or from the bottom, and that's the motivation or that's the energy behind it, then we will continue to experience dissatisfaction and to use even the good things as coping mechanisms, as a way to avoid how we're, our thoughts and our feelings. But when we practice growing that capacity internally to experience a deeper um, sense of presence, a deeper sense of calm, courage, confidence, those are all nervous system states. Then the good things like exercise or travel aren't coping mechanisms, but they're choices that we make. Yeah. And being in that centered state, that grounded state is when we open up our mind, body, soul to infinite possibility. It's when we reclaim our ability to choose instead of react. And actually, um, I did mention that I traveled internationally for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Re really exciting, really privileged. A lot of people dream about it. And for like six years of my profession and travel, it was actually a coping mechanism. And I didn't even know it. And I would, I, I like really struggled to enjoy where I was mm. because I was always thinking of the next place to go to the next thing to do, the next goal to strive for that. I didn't even realize my traveling, my desire to keep moving was a flight response from my nervous system. So we, th we hear fight, flight, freeze. Yeah. And that's how, um, depending from that energy, that's how we can get a better understanding of 
how our coping mechanisms look because they're different for everyone. There's like some universal ones that, um, you know, we deem good or bad. And like, we, we know that partying isn't beneficial. Right. But it serves a purpose. Like, you know, in like in the grand scheme, like if you're partying all the time, if you're drinking all the time and you're not actually conscious and aware and sober, it disconnects you and it serves a really big purpose in keeping your system stable. Because if you take away that partying or that drinking, then there's no coping mechanism. There's no understanding of what else you can use to feel grounded in the moment. And then like the thoughts flood in, the feelings flood in. So how do we handle that? How can we better manage our mind and our emotions from a centered and healthy place so that when we choose to exercise, when we choose to move towards our goals, it's from a space of choice and excitement and not pressure, overwhelm, and this like need to get there or else. Yeah. So I also wanted to ask you, um, because I believe this is your your forte. Um, what are some new ways to think about discipline and whether or not it's helping us or harming us? And then how can we tune the difference? Mm. Can I share a story to illustrate yes, this? Yes. Is that okay? Do we have time for that? Yeah, yeah. We yeah, we have enough time. We're good. So I think it was like last year I was in New Zealand. And I was on like a three-day backpacking trip in this like really remote location. It was the hardest hike I have ever done. It literally took all of my mental, emotional, and physical strength to get through it. And it was like super remote. And me and my partner were the only ones out there for three days. And the days were long. The terrain was super steep and challenging. And... I took every ounce of like mental grit that I had to get myself to the end of two of the three days because I was like pushed to my absolute limit. Mm -hmm. And that's really amazing, right? That is um, a really important skill to learn, to turn on that grit, to turn on that motivation, to get yourself to the finish line when you have to. And in these situations, I had to, because if I didn't keep going, we wouldn't make it to camp, right? So like pretty big, big consequences. We wouldn't actually like get to shelter. So I had to turn on that grit and push myself um, to get to camp. And there's like these funny um, photos, like my poor boyfriend, he was like taking videos of me and I'm like literally hysterically crying. And he's like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, outstanding. And like tears are just like flooding down. And I'm like, fuck my life. Like get me to this camp before I don't even know what's going to happen. Like I'm like, my body's crumbling. My knees were hurting. This is post knee injury. I thought I was better. Injury was acting up again. And I'm like hysterically crying, but like I'm going really gritty discipline, right? I'm disciplined. I'm gritty. I have that mental strength to get myself to the finish line. And then there was an opportunity when we finally got there after the longest day ever to do like a side um, experience, like a side hike to an alpine lake. Mm -hmm. And the terrain was just as difficult as the day before. But I heard that it's one of the most beautiful lakes that if you get a chance, go there. You don't want to miss it. 
And I knew that I probably won't be back in this location to do this again. Rewind to a few years ago, I would have done it. I would have pushed myself and I would have been like, forget this pain that I'm feeling. Forget this exhaustion. They say the lake is beautiful. I'm in. I don't back down from a challenge. I don't say no to, I don't say no to cool, adventurous things. Like I'm here for a reason. I might not be back. I don't want to miss out. Fear of missing out. I would have pushed myself. I probably would have cried on the way up because I was already in so much pain, but I would have gotten there. At what cost? I'm not sure. Maybe I would have gotten injured. It's definitely happened in the past. That's how my knee injury happened. I did too much too soon. Mm -hmm. and would I have been actually satisfied doing it when I was already feeling so exhausted probably not like it would have been exciting for a moment but I was in so much pain at that point and so tired that I probably wouldn't have been able to truly be present with like the magnificence of that lake yeah so what I ended up choosing instead and this was a really difficult choice and anyone on their health journey, on their mindset journey, I'm sure can relate to parts of this. I heard two voices. The voice was like, the one voice was like, don't be a little, get your butt up, walk to the lake. You can do this. You're more than capable. Like whatever little energy you have left, walk your ass up there. <laughs> Hope it's okay that I'm cursing. And it was really loud and it was really aggressive and it was um, shaming me. It was telling me that if I don't, if I miss this opportunity and I don't push myself, then I would have wasted my time. Then there's no point in me even being there and that I'm weak. And no one likes to think of themselves as weak. And then there was this other voice that was much quieter that was like, Violet, you don't have to walk to this lake. There are other options here. Your partner can go on his own and you can stay back, just hang out in the like hang out in the sun by the river and just take a rest day. And I stood at the edge of that trail looking at the path to walk up to the lake in the mountains feeling so internally conflicted. Do I listen to the voice that's telling me I shouldn't miss out on this opportunity because I've put so much effort to be here and I'll probably never be back again. Do I push into that discipline, into that intrinsic motivation? Because it's like, if I force myself, I can do it. If you have the mental grit, you can you can do anything. You can walk, you could run a marathon on broken legs. Like David Goggins. Like David Goggins, yeah. <laughs> like he's he's crazy and really great example of what's possible. And also what are the long-term consequences of using that type of grit and discipline? And on this day, this was one of the first times in this type of situation that I chose to stay back and have a rest day. That I chose to release the shaming voice, release the voice that was telling me I'm weak if I don't do it. That was telling me I should do it because it's worth it and I'll never be back. And I decided to stay back on my own. And I hung out like by the river, laying in the sun all day while my partner went by himself. And it was exactly what I needed. And the way I was able to discern whether 
it's time to be disciplined and push myself or whether it's time to hang back and do it differently was through a lot of experience. A lot of experience of giving into that voice that was making me want to be the best I can be, do the most I can do, see the most I can. And also noticing how I felt after doing it. And, you know, they do say you learn through pain and suffering. You learn from your mistakes. I'm definitely one of those people. I learned from suffering. That's like the quickest way to smack me back into reality, into what's true. And that day I made a different choice. I I chose to listen to that voice that was telling me I wasn't a failure if I didn't do it, that I was still worthy and deserving of being there, of having this experience, even if I chose not to do this extra leg of the trip, even if I chose not to do it. And it's that self-acceptance piece is, can I still love myself in the moment if I don't push myself towards that challenge? Can I still accept what I need even when there's people around me who want to go, who are mo- like pushing me maybe, or who, you know, want me to experience this with them, can I still stay true to what I need, what my body's telling me? Where's my motivation coming from? Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. That was the perfect example. So we have six minutes left. So do you want to share, uh, one last piece of motivation or encouragement for the audience. Working towards your goals is such a cool thing to do. It's so cool to have goals and to motivate yourself towards them and to dream big. And don't let that take away from the present moment. Don't take, don't let that take away from making the most out of right now and from really connecting with a sense of deservingness that you are allowed to feel good without having to earn it. You are allowed to experience joy and pleasure without it being a reward. And that joy and pleasure can be your baseline. And this is a skill that we're not taught in school. We're taught the exact opposite. But joy and pleasure can be the space from which your motivation and discipline come from And it doesn't have to be a reward that you strive towards. Well, thank you so much, Violet. Where can the audience find you? You can connect with me best on Instagram at Expand and Impact. That's my company. Or you can listen to my podcast, Expand and Impact, where we talk about the intersection between personal development and gender equality. If you're out for a bigger mission, care about the impact while also bettering yourself and experiencing deeper joy in your life and confidence, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And then I'll also put that in the show notes so people can easily get to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mia. Thank you. You have a great one. Thanks. Please give Violet a round of applause. It's always nice to talk about things that aren't often brought up in the health industry. So that was really refreshing. If you would like to connect with Violet, then you can find all of her information below in the show notes. And if you're interested in working with me, then you can head to miasmentorship.com where you can find my course or you can apply to work with me one-on-one. You can also go to Instagram and my username is mias.mentorship to get more free content like this. Hope you have a blessed day. Bye.